Welcome to Clarity Connects, where we talk about the human essence in brands, from branding, marketing, and business. I am your host, Tusef Mirza. Fundamentally, brands are created by human beings and for human beings. So understanding human attributes and having clarity on what genuinely connects with people is crucial. On this podcast, we will cover topics ranging from personal branding, corporate branding, leadership, team building, and marketing, all from a human perspective. We will also give ourselves the space for contemplation and explore ways to gain profitability while doing good simultaneously. Thank you for joining me. And now let's explore how Clarity connects for creating true impact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Clarity Connects podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have on our show, Anne Erhard. Anne is the Executive Vice President for Social Impact and Sustainability at Edelman, which is one of the top communications and marketing consultancy firms in the world. She leads Corporate Social Responsibility, or CSR, and Purpose-Led Strategy. She also helps companies and NGOs come together to create a positive impact. Welcome to the show, Anne. Hi, Tusaf. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited. You know, it took a while for us to get here, but we were so committed. So I so want to thank you for making this happen. So thank you. You sure did. And here we are. Here we are. So today we are going to be talking about purpose in terms of business and marketing and also some interesting research that's really showing how we're shifting from the importance we've always held to customers to a different audience, which is the employees, as being now a major stakeholder in today's business world. Edelman, we know, has been around for a long time. It's known for its communications, but it also does a lot of research, especially the one that comes up, uh, it seems now on a yearly basis, called the Trust Barometer. Can you tell a little bit about what is the Trust Barometer? You got it. So yeah, this is our biggest study, and, and the Trust Barometer is really our longitudinal study of trust across four institutions. We've been studying trust for more than 20 years. Um, So it allows us to really track the trends around trust in four institutions. And the four institutions that we study are companies or business, government, nonprofit, and the media. Um, And it's an online survey that is global. It goes across 28 countries. There's more than 30,000 respondents. So we cut the data either globally or you know, regionally um, based on the needs. So are you measuring trust of the population as it pertains to the four different institutions? Exactly. And why is it important to study trust as a fundamental human attribute? Yeah, I mean, we really think that trust kind of gets to that core attribute that really sort of drives and defines an organization's license to operate, license to lead. Um, There's a lot of different factors that contribute to trust, but we really feel like trust is the ultimate attribute that, that these organizations need. Also looking at it from adoption to awareness to becoming loyal to these different entities, is there a certain 
area of focus that you're thinking about when you think about trust as it pertains to to customers and, and how they relate to these institutions? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you're seeking high trust to get to that holy grail of loyalty, but trust does impact whether you'll even take a second look, right? Or, you know, consider as opposed to purchase or kind of stay with a brand. So what would you say that you've seen or certain trends that we've seen as it pertains to to trust? Yeah, there's so many trends that we can, you know, speak to over the last five years. The study is big and it studies a number of different things. But I think that the core thing that we look at that's really fascinating is just to see how trust has evolved across the four institutions over the past few years. So business now, according to the 2021 Trust Barometer, the 2021 data, business is the most trusted of the four institutions at sort of 61% trusted globally, with nonprofits coming in second at 57%. Government is third at 53%, and media is last at 51%. And it's interesting to see over time how that has vacillated a bit. Business and nonprofits were, you know, are often sort of neck and neck. And even from 2020 to 2021, business gained a couple of percentage points. Nonprofits went down one. So the like gap increased a little bit. In the wake of the pandemic, government had been losing trust, um, certainly around the election time um, a couple of years ago. And during the pandemic, they actually gained um, and they kind of got the top spot again for the first time in a while. In the wake of the pandemic, I think as people sort of needed government to step in and, and figure this out, you know, this was when we did an interim study during the pandemic in 2020. And quickly they sort of lost that lead again and business got the top spot again, which I just think is something to say for how consumers are seeing business as having, you know, such a role in solving society's problems while they feel like government can't sort of do it alone. That's so interesting that they're even more trusted than NGOs. You would think that NGOs, because they're not for profit, you would think that they would have more trust imbued in them. I'm curious in terms of why do you think that is? Because business is known for profit. And so sometimes you think to yourself, well, if it's just for profit, is that really the end goal? And therefore, should I trust them in terms of any other type of social impact they're talking about is really the money that it's all about. But NGOs are known to be more focused on being of, of service. Um, and therefore, you would think they would be more trusted. The trust in business has grown, I think, because people are expecting purpose plus profit from business and are seeing business step in with the dollars, the resources, the human capital to really help solve societal issues. And we're seeing, you know, so much in other research and data that shows that the, the growth of the belief-driven buyer, that, you know, consumers are sort of buying and staying with brands because of their stance on societal issues in addition to kind of the products that they put out. And so I think there's a feeling that we need business to step in and use their resources. And there's a lot of data in the studies also that show 
the expectations that consumers have for business to partner with nonprofit and government. Um, there's high statistics that show that expectation of collaboration to solve these issues that no one entity could do it alone either. I find this study really interesting because considering that the podcast is about branding, marketing, and business. The reason why I made it so broad is because I feel that everything right now just feels like part of the same ecosystem, where I feel like before they were more segmented type of different disciplines, but now things are merging together. And I feel like research, like the trust barometer saying that business is the most trusted, I think that there's so much potential for businesses to take that on in in the most beneficial way for their business, but also using that as fuel to make them more courageous to go towards purpose. I think before people wanted to do it, but they just didn't know if it was viable enough. But now we have the data that shows it. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's so funny, you know, in thinking about, you know, the trends over the years and going into corporate responsibility and seeing friends really wanting to be on the forefront of change and going into government or politics to really drive change or drive, you know, action on the the issues that they felt passionate about. And now I feel like, you know, being on the business side, we have just as much opportunity there. It's really sort of interesting. That's a really good point. You don't have to go to an NGO or to government to really do something if you want to create good in the world. I wanted to also talk about another study that Edelman has done this year, which is specifically more on the belief-driven employee. This was done in August this year. Can you describe a little bit the premise of the research? Yeah, absolutely. The premise of this is is really all about sort of the new contract between employee and employer, the hypothesis that the pandemic has sort of shifted that relationship and changed expectations that employees have for their employer. And the results did show that business has an important role to take a much more ambitious action in society on behalf of their employees, um, that employees have just higher expectations for the companies that they work for. That's awesome. What has been like top two or three findings that's come out from the research in terms of what employees are valuing in terms of their employer? So just overall, employees have stronger expectations for their employer and what they're seeking is changing a bit. So more than seven in 10 job seekers say that they have higher expectations than they did three years ago. That's kind of just top line. And then you know, what they're looking for, like I said, is, is, is changing a little bit. So they're choosing where to work and choosing whether to stay with a company sort of based on belief, like the belief-driven buyer. We're finding that employees are just as belief-driven, just like a consumer chooses to buy or boycott a brand based on belief, employers are choosing to stay or leave a company or go to a company based on belief. And I'll unpack that just a little bit. So, you know, we're finding that employees are really looking for three things. The first is traditional incentives like pay and career advancement. These things are still absolutely important and, you know, really table stakes. The second piece is that employees are seeking that 
well-being, you know, social and emotional benefits, flexible hours, remote work, these sorts of benefits as well. And then thirdly, there's an increased interest in the employer to commit to act for good on society's biggest challenges. So to attract and retain talent, it really feels like companies need all three. They can't just be sort of leaning on one. And while kind of those traditional benefits I talked about are still the most important, you know, 82% sort of focus on those, personal empowerment is 77%, really right under that career advancement. And then, you know, the ability for me to have a social impact increased to 71%. These attributes or aspects are really creeping up there. That's gone up five points in the last three years um, from what we've seen. It's interesting when you were talking about customer wants social impact and then the employee wants social impact. At the end of the day, it's the same person, right? I'm 49. And so for the longest part of the time that I've worked, we were a little bit separate, I feel, where, you know, we were this buyer and we had this value system. And then we would work, but then we would take on the value system of the company. But it almost feels like that's dissolving now. And there's an integration that's happening where as you show up in the world, in in, in the normal world and in the world that you work in, it flows more. Right. It's such a huge part of your identity. And I should say, you know, there was a reason why the firm decided to study employees. You're right. It's the same person, right? But just like a different perspective. Pre-pandemic, when we looked at who people say are the most important stakeholder for the success of a company, Mm -hmm. consumers were number one and employees were number two. Communities and investors were much lower. Post-pandemic, that flipped and people said that employees are the most important stakeholder for a company's success. Is the reason why that shift happened, is it because people were leaving their jobs and businesses couldn't function and they recognized how talent and workforce is important? I think the focus on talent and competition for talent and retention of talent versus needing to retrain um, and that sort of thing, I think that's all sort of coming to the forefront. In terms of the third reason that we know that employees find important is social impact, when we say that, what are they asking for in terms of their employers? What counts as a social impact action? Is it that the company is involved in doing good proactively? Is it about transparency? What does that entail? A big piece of this that's driving trust for employees of their employer is the CEO manifesting the company's values and beliefs. Almost nine in 10 surveyed want CEOs and executives to speak out on one or more societal challenge. Um, And some of the societal challenge that we sort of asked specifically about were things like pandemic impact, jobs and like upskilling and retraining climate change and that sort of thing. I find that really interesting too, because 
It means that CEOs are held to a higher level of accountability now compared to before on societal issues. And so it's not just about the brand of the company, but it's also the personal brand of the CEO. And that those two things actually need to be in alignment. Like the company can't be doing something different than what the CEO is doing. So it's an interesting exercise where you have to take into account the values of the CEO and what senior leadership is thinking and then actually infuse that into how the company is run. It's not separate anymore. Like people are part of the brand now. Yeah. And I mean, with belief-driven employees comes more activist employees, right, that are more willing to step up and step out and identify the issues and speak against an employer if they're not doing the right thing. Right. And I think it's not doing the right thing from a perspective of how the company is reacting or being involved in the world in terms of society, but also how the company is dealing with their own employees, right? Because we do see people walk out when their belief system is not aligned with the company. Exactly. So it's almost like, you know, we're getting to a point where it actually doesn't make sense not to do good if it's impacting you from the inside and the outside in such a strong way. Do you think that this way of being in terms of the customer and the employee is going to continue that route in terms of making sure that the do-good aspect of businesses is implemented? I do. Because of everything that we've seen, I've been in this space for, oh, geez, like 17 years. And I remember having a conversation with a group of friends, you know, thinking about weighing a couple of jobs um, in the corporate responsibility side, you know, on the agency side. And I remember one of them saying that was in marketing was like, well, you know, trends in marketing last five years. So corporate responsibility is hot right now, ride, ride the wave. Now that was 10 years ago. And um, I will say that in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I thought, you know, we were busy, we were doing so much of this work. And I thought purpose was the fifth P in marketing. And then I thought, oh, geez, it's going to become the forgotten P. Everybody's going to be thinking about profit, profit, profit. And you know, this could fall by the wayside. Will it fall by the wayside? And I mean, we've seen clearly the opposite, that purpose is becoming even more important, as you said, both from that consumer perspective, where we want to put our money, and from that employer perspective, and where we want to put our time. If, you know, some of these big societal challenges um, has only increased the need for that, I just don't see a world where there's profit without purpose. It just feels so interrelated to me, at least. That's just an anecdotal view. (laughs) Um, That's what I think. (laughs) Well, I love your anecdotal view because that's that's my view also. (laughs) I mean, because at the end of the day, if people hold purpose high in terms of their value, it means that's what they're going to gravitate in terms of what they're going to be buying and being loyal to. You're going to retain better talent because the people are not going to leave. And then at the same time, because you're a purposeful company, you're actually helping the world. I mean, it's like everybody should be happy in Kumbaya with that, you know? A little spoiler alert that there's going to be some research coming out from Edelman on Gen Z 
And so much of their expectation for brands is around societal impact. And it's fascinating. We just went through a preview of it yesterday. And it's just, I don't think it's going anywhere because our future employees, our future customers are demanding this in even greater amounts. I think it's a good sign. It's great. I teach at NYU um, a course on personal purpose and personal branding. And so I speak with the Gen Z population all the time. And that's something that always comes up in terms of where they want to work. They don't want to just work for the money. You know, they can do that anywhere. But it's really about, you know, when they wake up in the morning, do they feel good about themselves? And do they feel good about what they're contributing to the world. And, and that becomes a huge criteria in the companies that they reach out to. Exactly. You know, all of this stuff, we can look at the data and we can say that companies need all three of the things I talked about earlier. You know, that compensation and career advancement is just one of them, but they need the well-being and they need the empowerment and they need the social impact. You know, you talk to people and the data sort of leaps off the page and you realize, okay, this is what people are talking about. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. I wanted to just talk a little bit more from a concrete perspective in terms of how you work with clients from a social impact perspective. So how do you start the process of working with clients? What our group, Social Impact and Sustainability, does is fairly broad within the broad purpose sphere. And companies and brands come to us at different moments in their social impact and sustainability journeys. Some companies are really advanced and have been doing this work for a really long time and just are looking to advance certain aspects. And others are sort of earlier on their path. But I think probably what you're looking for and the most interesting is when a company comes to us and says, what issue or issues should we stand for? You know, what issue or issues are we sort of uniquely positioned to make an impact on or will stakeholders sort of expect us to make an impact on? And we have a process that we take companies through that's really customizable based on where they are. Um, but we look at the company itself, their assets, their brand, their values, industry. And then we look at what their stakeholders are expecting from them, whether that's research that's already out there or doing our own digging, for example, in employee surveys and that sort of thing, just trying to get those stakeholder expectations. Sorry, when we say stakeholders, are there certain in priority that you will take into account more versus others or it depends per the company? Employees are increasing in importance. And then the other group that's increased in importance over the last couple of years since doing this work is investors. As companies are really seeing investors increase their expectations of companies around ESG environments, environmental, social, and governance issues. I think we've reached a tipping point with shareholders that they understand that these issues are important for companies because of future risk, as well as because of innovations. But the social aspects of DEI and human capital management you know, investors are realizing is super important for companies because of talent acquisition and retention. Those two audiences are big. Can you give us one example of one of the clients that you've worked with in terms of 
how you work with them and how did the specific topic of focus of social good came about and how was that implemented? One example is CSX, which is the railroad on this half of the country. They have been doing a lot of good in the community. They had a lot of nonprofit partners, have been giving a good deal of money to really good causes, but it was all really diffuse. They had an opportunity to really create a rallying cry and enhance the culture, you know, have kind of a come together moment for employees and, you know, really use purpose as a way to exemplify their values and sort of what they stood for. So we went through this process and I I like this example because sometimes you have a hypothesis when you're going in with a company of, of what they're going to do. And I guess I sort of thought that we would do, they're a train company and they roll through town. So I guess I kind of thought we would do community revitalization or, or that sort of thing, or maybe safety. What we ended up with is an initiative called Pride and Service, which is all focused on support for military veterans and first responders. Once we dug in with their stakeholders and figured out who they are and what their assets are and what their values are, we really realized that service is a huge part of their culture, that there's a huge connection between service and railroading. One in five of their employees had served. They employ their own police force of first responders. On the ground, they're needing to create very strong bonds with first responder agencies and and police departments because of, you know, safety issues and um, educating the community. They're rolling through military towns. There were just so many reasons why a connection to this issue made so much sense for their brand. And it's really working hard for them from an employee morale perspective, from a community relations perspective. That's really interesting because this example you're talking about, it was really through the exercise that you discovered it. So it wasn't something that people would have necessarily understood or would have pinpointed, but it's really by talking to people, interviewing people that that came through. Absolutely, absolutely. So even if you have an idea of potentially where you want to focus on, I guess it's still good to do this exercise to make sure whether you're on the right track and if there's something else that actually resonates more. Absolutely. And a lot of times companies come to us with an idea of where they want to go. Maybe they've done sort of some of this introspection and discussion and they have, you know, sort of a territory and then we'll go in and simply hone what are the kind of like pieces and parts of that issue that they might be able to uniquely impact or how do they go about collaborating to make, you know, a bigger impact? So it really depends. Sometimes the world is our oyster and we can, you know, totally figure out what are the issue territories that could be workable for the company. And sometimes it's just kind of narrowing in on a zone that they're already in or that they already want to be in. A good example of that process is Planet Fitness. We started working with them in 2015. They were already a really purpose-led brand. They've always been the home of the judgment-free zone. They have, you know, actual policies and practices around creating a non-gym, non-intimidating space and a space that, you know, first-time gym goers or reluctant gym goers can really feel like they belong. And so when they came to us and said, we want a cause, we want to focus on a cause that we can really rally 
across the country on rally all our franchisees around that's really aligned to our our brand and our business and our philosophy we landed on taking that judgment free philosophy and culture from their clubs out into their communities and so we created the judgment free generation which is a pro kindness anti-bullying initiative focused on youth in their communities and our big partner is Boys and Girls Clubs of America to really drive a, a judgment-free culture for this next generation. So they're doing it for their members and now they're sort of doing it more broadly for their communities. That's awesome. So for this case, there was already something there yeah, and it was more like, how do we make that blossom and, and actually push that out and, and make it more broad? you can say they're making a, a big societal impact just with their business model, right? They're creating accessible fitness at a low cost in communities across the country, but they wanted to kind of broaden beyond their member base and, and make a bigger contribution to society. And, and this is the way we went for it. You know, as we're having this conversation, what I really love and find interesting is that there's so many different areas that you can focus on when you talk about good. Because I think sometimes we talk about good, we think about big things like environment, or sometimes it can feel a little daunting, but it, it can be pretty much anything that is bringing some level of goodness or civility or well-being that is actually in alignment with where the business is. There's so much opportunity of figuring that out. Absolutely. And, you know, these are, I'm talking about the issues that a company can really hang their hat on and stand for and really promote that they care about. Then there is a whole host of work that we need to do with companies on issues that they need to have policies and practices around just to protect their business. So we do a lot of work in ESG and, and doing assessments around what are all the issues that are truly material to a business because of the, the industry that they're in, you know, footwear and apparel, it's like supply chain issues and human rights issues and certain companies, sustainability issues are going to be much more critical. So there's this balance of where you, you need to, to play and have the right protocols in place. And then those areas where you can really kind of be proactive and put your voice against that you can really lead on. That's an important distinction because there's some that are literally business imperatives where you exactly. might not be able to function long-term if you have not addressed supply chain sustainability where you're just not even going to have the resources if you don't address them. Are you feeling hopeful in terms of where we're going with how businesses are approaching it? I think, you know, the most advanced players and the largest players seem to have realized how important purpose is in kind of the marketing mix and just and operationalizing it as well. But, you know, now it's a must do for companies of all shapes and sizes. And so I think that there's just so much impact that can come with that when it's not just going to be the big players, you know, trying to do things. It's It's really all types of industries, all types of size companies. There's got to be a lot more good doing coming out of it. Awesome. So as we conclude the show, 
I always ask this one last question to all of my guests. Since this is the Clarity Connects podcast, I would love to ask, what is a clarity moment that you have had in the past year? A year ago, I kept talking about my moment of clarity being when I realized I just wanted to be my kid's mom again, that we were all in this house together, my husband and I working remotely, them remote schooling. And I've had this moment where I realized they're seeing me in all of these roles that they're not meant to see me in. They're seeing me as like in my office, which is also our home as a coworker, as a teacher. And I just craved just solely being their mom again. I felt like for their benefit, that's the role that they needed me to be. And now it's like, I'm starting. I just started over the last couple of weeks thinking that stressed me out so much, just wanting to be their mom again. And I ended up putting them in private school and making sure that they went to school so that we would create that separation again. And now I'm I'm realizing, I wonder if there's going to be some good that comes out of this. And maybe Hmm. it's okay that kids are seeing their parents as less one-dimensional and starting to see mom as you know, wearing all these different hats where maybe in in past generations, we just haven't noticed that as much. Um, So maybe we'll see, maybe it will create some deeper level of understanding or empathy or kind of change our views over time, generationally. That's really interesting because in a way, that's how we've always functioned is to compartmentalize. And so we're fully, you know, to Seth at work and then to Seth, you know, in the Zumba class and to Seth doing her thing differently. But I think you, you do bring an interesting point. And it, it actually like goes back a little bit to what we were talking about, about the customers is also the employee. And then maybe those lines are, 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 are not as, as evident anymore. And we're just becoming like one identity. (laughs) Right, right. I remember going to my dad's office and seeing him at work. You know, that was a thing, you know, and now it's it's all blended. (laughs) It is all blended. Yeah. I think also that the the lines are also fading because of social media and everything. We're getting to see how people are more. So yeah, maybe, maybe it's okay. But, but I agree with you that there is a resistance. Like I remember when I first started to do Zoom calls and I'm just like, oh my God, how does that my place look? You know, what does that say about me? You know, because when you go to work, you go to work. The only thing you have to worry about is what you wear. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody's getting a glimpse into, you know, what your living room looks like. Thank you so much, Anne, for your enthusiasm and the meaningful work that you do in, in bringing us hope. And taking the time for this interview, I'm so happy we were able to connect. Me too. I could talk about this forever. So thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. And we'll link information about Elman and anything else that we talked about and the research papers in in the show notes as well. And a big thank you as well to our listeners for joining us. A bientôt. 